Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast. My guest today, Whitney Johnson, CEO of the tech-enabled talent development company, Disruption Advisors. Whitney is also the author of some great books. Uh, one of my top 10 favorites, as, as many of you know, called Disrupt Yourself. Uh, but she's also written her latest book, which is called Smart Growth, How to Grow Your People to Grow Your Company. Talk about perfect timing. Uh, and it was released last month. Um, and Whitney is also, uh, she was recently named by Thinkers 50 as the number eight leading business thinker in the entire world in 2021. So, I've got my work cut out for me here today. And with that, I want to welcome to the Small Business Edge podcast, Whitney Johnson. Brian, thank you for having me. Wow. The, the, the fact of the matter is I could have gone on for about 15 minutes. When, when I look at your CV and all that you've accomplished, uh, it's absolutely incredible. Well, thank you for not, because we would all have been very bored beginning no, with me. No, no. In fact, this is going to be my first question for you, Okay. <laughs> So let's talk about your schedule because I am in awe of it. Um, you have a weekly newsletter, which I love, right? It is weekly, right? Yes, it is. Okay. I, I know I get it. I, in fact, I got it. Did I get it yesterday? It comes yesterday. Wednesdays, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you write a lot of great books. Uh, you consult with some of the top industry leaders and entrepreneurs in the world about building the best teams and following their S-curves in business. You're on LinkedIn Live to, to connect with the literally the millions of people who follow you there. So I just want to ask you this simple question. <laughs> what, what's your secret? <laughs> um, I have a few secrets. The secret number one is I have a really good team. Okay. Um, so I have I have a fantastic business partner, Amy Humble, who was former chief of staff for Jim Collins. And so she's really, really good and does a lot of things really well that I don't do. Um, I have a couple of people on our team that are really good at writing. So I'm able to say, here are my ideas and here's wh what I think. And then they can build it, build on it. And so, um, but the podcast, I have a podcast and which you've been on, you were one of my very first guests. Um, but I don't do it by myself. I have three or four people that work with me who record it and edit it, et cetera. And so, um, I think one of the things that happens when you've got a thought leadership practice, there's this tendency to think that we're doing it all by ourselves. But right. in fact, I've got this really wonderful team because we're building a business, um, that allows people to figure out where you are in your growth and how to grow yourself, grow your people, grow your company. And so, that's part of my secret. I think the other secret is, is that I do have a really strong work ethic. I work very hard and um, I like my work. And so it makes it easy to, to want to do this work. So did you, cause you write a lot about teams mm -hmm. and, and I, I'm so impressed with the way your business has grown over the past mm -hmm. couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, was there a conscious, conscious decisions and planning about assembling your team, like this is the type of person we need for mm -hmm. this spot on the podcast, or this yeah. is the person that I need for writing. How, how did that mm -hmm. come about? 
Yeah. So I, I would say the answer is yes and no. Um, I, I think I do remember making a very conscious decision probably about five years ago of thinking, okay, there's some things that I do really well, and there's some things that I do not do well. And I want to scale this business. Mm-hmm. I need a business partner. And I remember basically, and I hope that I think everybody will be okay listening to this. I basically prayed my way to a business partner, which is I need a good business partner. And she had actually found me because she was doing research on women thought leaders, came across me because she at the time was working for Jim Collins, had reached out to me to work on a very small project. And we started doing these small projects together. And then over time, over the course of three or four years, she ended up being the business partner because we were able to say, okay, let's crawl and then let's walk and then let's run. And I find that that is one thing that actually works really well. So Mm -hmm. that's the business partner. She's the chief revenue officer. But then on writing, same thing is I'll say, okay, we've got a person. I think they could be a really good writer. Let's have you write one article. And did you enjoy writing it? Do you like this content? Um, Did you enjoy working with me? Did I feel like you did a good job so that we're gradually testing each other out? And the other thing that I'm continually thinking about is the S-curve, which of course we need to talk about is where is this person on their own S-curve in terms of their growth trajectory? Will working with me be something that they can contribute in a really meaningful way? Because there are things that I need them to do, but also will it feel like it's a growth opportunity for them so that they're not just like, yeah, I could do it myself sleep. I want them to be genuinely excited about the work that they're doing and genuinely excited about the work that we are doing. So what I'm hearing is you add to your team through this crawl, walk, run yes. stage, right? The stages. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that may not always be an option for companies, right? Where yes. you can kind of test them out and then give them that kind of probationary period and then say, okay, well, it looks like you, um, you're as advertised, so we're going to bring you on, on fully. What do you say to those people like who are trying to fill a slot in, in yeah. there and, but don't have the option of staging a probationary period? So uh, it's a great question, Brian. I, I'm going to push back a little bit because I think we have more flexibility there than we think we do of saying, let's work together for three months and see if this works. And we'll we'll negotiate this out right now of what we think that it's going to look at, look like, but let's work together three months. And then if it doesn't work, then we can move on. And I, I think that by doing that, it makes it so much less stressful for everybody involved. Um, that being said, if you absolutely cannot and you need to hire people immediately, what I recommend you do is that you, number one, um, figure out where they are in their growth, what it is they're trying to get done, what they're aspiring to do, find out things like when have they taken initiative in the past. You need to figure out, do they have the technical skills that they need? But that's usually pretty easy to figure out. What you need to figure out is, does this person know how to take initiative? Can this person play with other people on a team? And so you want to start asking people questions like, tell me how you collaborate. What does that look like? And really get a sense of how are they talking about what they've done? If they talk about their accomplishments in the terms of, I did this all myself, probably not someone you want to work with. Mm -hmm. If they talk about their accomplishments in terms of, here are the five people that I worked with to get this thing done, then that's probably a pretty good indication that they can work with you. We actually have a whole list of questions that you can ask people. Um, I think it's called 
20 questions to ask when you're hiring. Happy to make that available for people if they would Great. like. We'll definitely okay. include that in the resource okay. of this okay. podcast. Good. Good. When you talk and write and, and speak, you often talk about topics that go beyond the nine to five boundaries of business, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So like in your newsletter, like I said, which I regularly read, uh, you, you'll you talk about love. You talked about love mm-hmm. on, on Valentine's Day. Most mm-hmm. recently, you talked about identity and making jam with your family. So I want to read a, a quick excerpt that I pulled yep. from your newsletter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says, in Smart Growth, I talk about performing an audit of our adult selves introspecting and investigating to see which values we hold are really steering our ship. We can peek into the gaps between what we say uh, we aspire to do and what we actually do to try to discern what task our shadow value is performing for us. Uh, It's no longer useful to us or never was. It's time to do the work or to discard it. Mm -hmm. And I hope I said that correctly. That's not okay, fill out this Excel sheet for me, right? That's not, I need a PowerPoint presentation. You really get into, I I call it opening Pandora's box because (laughs) this is not how a boss thinks, right? This is not uh, somebody who says, I need you nine to five to do this role in my company. This is somebody who is really delving into the whole employee, now, what I have found, and it's funny that, that you talk about Amy working for Jim Collins. He also wrote one of my top 10 favorite books, right? Good mm-hmm. to Great. I love mm-hmm. that Stockdale Paradox that he writes about. But you're getting into something that I say, is, you can't dip your toe into it, mm-hmm. right? This aspect. You have to wholly embrace the full employee in, in order to... I guess the benefit of that is that you create a culture unlike any other, probably Mm -hmm. in business. Is that for every company? I mean, can you just be a good boss and say, I need you nine to five? Or is being the type of leader that I just presented, where you embrace the whole employee and you talk about their their values and introspection and mental Mm -hmm. health and love and identity and making jam, um, is that really the clearest path to helping you achieve your goals? You know, one of the things, it's such a great question. One of the things that I loved about Clayton Christensen, who was one of my mentors, and um, he said that management is the noblest of professions if it is done well. And when you think about the workplace, so many times we spend more time with people that we work with than we do with our actual families. And yet everything that happens at work, we take home with us. It affects our relationships with our spouses, our partners, our children, our parents. And so what I would say is, yes, you can have people work nine to five. You can do that, but you're not ever going to get their best work. Because they will know that you are seeing them in the industrial age, technological, Henry Ford sort of way of you are a cog in a machine. Mm -hmm. And what we have seen now more than ever is the completion of moving from you are a cog in a machine to I want to take my dreams to work to I want to dream for a living. 
And if people perceive that there is an opportunity for growth at work and that you as a manager care about them growing at work, they will stay and they will do their best work. And so on the one hand, we can argue that this matters from a perspective of who am I as a human being and how do I want to treat people? And that's part of where I'm coming from. But there is a dollars and cents rationale for doing it, which is if I allow people and set them up to bring their whole self to work and to do their best work, the ROI will be significantly higher. And so if you need to start there, that's okay. But I hope that you eventually get to the place of, I want to be that person that they 20 years later say, she was the best boss that I ever had because then management has become the noblest profession. And you have not only affected that person, but you've affected their family and their children and their grandchildren. And for every company that never did that, you know, never took that approach, but aspired to do it, the pandemic was really a blessing because it flipped everything on its ear. It flipped our, our world on its ear. Right. Mm-hmm. And it said, here's the great, you know, we hear about the great resignation and whatnot. This was the great reset. Mm. Right. This was the opportunity to say, you know how you always wanted that company where you invested in the whole employee. Now, now's the time to do it because everybody's reevaluating their their values, their mm-hmm. mission, their meaning in life, and, and where they work. And they're saying, you know what? I don't want to come in five days a week. I find that I can be just as effective uh, if I did a hybrid model. And so the pendulum has actually swung. And, and, and maybe it swung a little too far in the employee's direction. Mm-hmm. So, and it will swing back through automation and, and outsourcing and whatnot. But while, it, while the pendulum rests on the employee side, how important is it for employees to get that dual loyalty that, that mm-hmm. you know, it, it's almost like saying, look, I, I know I hold many of the cards. I know I can leave tomorrow and find another job, but I believe in this place. Um, and if you change things, I think, I think if we change things, it will be for the better. Right. So, it's a great question. So yeah. a, a couple of thoughts. Number one is, so you're, you're calling it the great reset. I, I think it's the great aspiration. So this place, okay. like you just said, of people um, having this opportunity to reflect and realize, oh, I have more capacity than I thought I did. I'm more resilient than I thought I was. And I am aspiring to more for my life. I want it to be different and, and, and better. So there's this aspiration. I think that's one thing that employers, if they can understand that, that people are aspiring to more then it, then you, you have the, the, the beginnings of, of a change in retention. Um, now, to your question about the pendulum or your observation about the pendulum, I think that this is a time where you actually take the measure of a person because what you're saying is that the power has shifted. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do when you have power? Do you right. become a jerk? Well, you might. Or do you say, I know I have power here because I know that I'm in, in tremendous demand, but do you go to an employer, someone that you want to work with and say, hey... I want to work with you and I um, and here's what I'd like to accomplish and let's see what we can create together. And so part of why I love the S curve of learning, this, this simple model to think about what growth looks like is it 
allows you to have that conversation. It allows you to go to your employer and say, hey, here's this S curve and here's where I am right now. I'm, I'm kind of in master. I'm at the top of that curve and I want to do something new. If I come work with you, what will be my opportunities for growth? And I will help you grow, but what will that look like? And let me give you a very concrete example. I was having a conversation just yesterday with someone that we have brought on to do a a lot of work for us in the L&D space, the learning and development space. You could argue that she's absolutely at the top of the S-curve in that regard. Well, she, she can come and do that work for us and she will do a fantastic job. But part of the conversation was, what else do you want to be doing? What launch points of a curve do you want to be on? And so we basically have this social con- this contract. It's not written down, but help me do this thing. Get us to the top of the curve on this project that I have hired you to do. But I also know that there's these places that you want to grow. So I will help you grow in these areas. And so now we're doing this great work together. She's helping me do what I want to do. She's helping me grow, but I'm also giving her the tools and the space so that that she can grow as well. And so that's what that would look like for an employee who says, yes, I know I hold the cards, but I'm going to become the best employee ever. And this is what that conversation looks like. So is that the, that's the essence of your book, Smart Growth, how to grow your people to grow your company? Yeah, it is. It's basically saying, hey, I understand we're coming out of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We all want to grow. Um, psychologists have said it's called post-traumatic growth. So we're in this place that we figured out how to do these hard things. We are ready to grow as individuals and as companies. Don't always quite know how. And so the S-curve of learning gives you a very simple visual way to think about the emotional arc of growth. When you do something new, you're at the launch point, it's awkward and clumsy and gangly, but then you put in the effort and you move into the sweet spot. And that's that steep part where you're exhilarated and everything's working. It's a place of optimized tension. Growth feels fast. It is fast. And then you get to mastery where you figured stuff out. You're no longer learning. You get bored. You need more dopamine. Growth is slow. So you've got slow and then fast and slow. That is how you grow. And if you understand that for yourself, and you understand how to use this to orient yourself in your growth, then once you start to grow, you can use this and map, where are my people in their growth? I can use it for talent development. I can use it for retention. I can use it for recruiting. And then I can also use it for my overall organization and say, if I want to optimize for growth, I want to optimize for innovation. I need to make sure that I have sufficient people in the sweet spot, sufficient people in launch point. Because if I have everybody in mastery, they're a little bit bored, probably not going to be innovating. So that's that's the essence of the book. And, and it's, but it sounds like, you know, as you take this journey, there needs to be a very clear vision of this is where we want to go. So everybody buys into the collective vision of the company. Mm-hmm. Right. We need we're here. We need to grow to there. Right. This is where I, we've all said that we think we could be, whether it's developing things like in the L&D space or mm-hmm. it's it's seeing revenue opportunities with this new channel. What I love about it is that everybody can play that integral role and say, hey, Whitney, I found this great opportunity you know, let's let's review it and see if it fits into what I like to call our GPS plan, right? Mm-hmm. Done correctly, mm-hmm. it'll take you where mm-hmm. you want to go. But what I love about that is that everybody feels like they have a an important role in the business, right? right. 
Right. And so everybody makes decisions together. That's a hard, that's a hard place to get to, you know, for so many companies, right? The idea of, you know, no, I'm the one who makes the decisions. This is not mm-hmm. a democracy. You know, I, I can listen to what you say, but in the end, I'm the one paying the bills. I'm the one who's taking the chances. So it has to be my decision, right? How does somebody get from me to we? Yeah. In that. It's a great, it's a great question, Brian. And so what I would say is that yes, ultimately someone does have to make the decision. Someone needs to take responsibility for what you're doing. But what I find is that there are, in fact, I was just having a coaching call the other day with someone who was saying, there are certain decisions that I know I have to make and I have to make them quickly because the business, the, the exigencies of the business require it. But as he started to think about it, he realized there were some decisions that he was making because he was so good at making them. He basically was at the top of the curve. It was very comfortable for him to make those decisions. He was good at making them. And yet they did not need to be made by him. They could be made by other people. He could use this as an opportunity to delegate how we do it. You you all can figure it out. I don't need to make that decision. And so what I would say is that you get to the me from the me to we by saying to yourself, what are the decisions that I have to make? and make those. And those are the ones you're going to want to delegate because those are the hard ones. And one of the decisions that I could make that are easy for me to make, but in fact, don't need to make because other people could make them and let go of those. But out of our anxiety, we want to hang on to them. And so you get to the me, we, by making the decisions, you know, you need to make and giving up the ones that you don't, which is hard to do because those are the easy ones for you to make. Okay. Now the last major question I have is time management. Mm. How do we fit all of this into one day? Because where we are now, early 2022, we're still in such uncharted waters, right? As business owners, business leaders, inflation, COVID, supply chain, labor. So I call those, you know, the, the four horsemen of the pandemic that are constantly challenging us every single day, challenges to come up to new ways to get the business done. But at the same time, you know, we need to widen our, our view to recognize, you know, the silent killers of business, unhappy mm-hmm. employees, disengaged employees, and I'm not getting the productivity that I need. So I need to make sure that I'm, I'm developing, you know, relationships with them. The company culture remains strong, even as we maintain remote workforces and dealing mm-hmm. with some of the problems that happen there and, and, and any of the unexpected obstacles that are yet to hit us that might hit us as soon as tomorrow or next week yeah. it could be the weather. It could be anything. Right. And so how, how, does a company do everything that they need to do in business, grow their company smartly, and still do it in a 24-hour day? Like mm-hmm. time, In the end, it comes down to time management. How does a company do that? That is such a big question. So I, I, I'm not going to answer it for everybody. I'll answer it for myself. And, mm-hmm. and we'll start with an N of one. I think one of the things that happens when you move into the sweet spot of your S curve is that you start to become very competent at what you're doing. And so the more competent you become, the more opportunities come to you. And so one of the things that is very important for us to learn how to do is to say no. 
So at the launch point of the curve, you get very good at saying yes. You need to be able to say yes. Um, Let's try this. Let's try that. But as you're moving along that curve and want to get to completion, you need to have the ability to say no. You need to have the ability to focus. And so one of the things that I have been working very hard on the last couple of years is how do I make sure I focus on what I need to do right now? So I have 10 things I could work on but what's the one thing that I'm going to focus on right now for the next 10 minutes? And so again, there's a bit of a paradox here, which is if I were, I can spend a half an hour worrying about the 10 things I need to do, but if I'll just focus for 10 minutes, I might be able to get two of those things done instead of worrying about the things that I need to do. So, so there's this you get more competent, you have more opportunities. There's the importance of being able to say no and also to be able to focus. A couple of other thoughts that um, I've thought about is the importance of rest. Um, We think that if we will work more, we will get more done. But there's been a lot of research that's been done, and we know this from people who run marathons, is that you walk and then you run, or you go and then you sleep. And so uh, Tiffany Schlein made this great, brilliant observation. She talked about how rest is a technology. We talk about technology, the promise of it it making us more productive, more efficient. Well, rest does that too. And so are we able to, I have, she calls for a technology Shabbat. I have an actual Sabbath. Um, Do we have one day a week where we don't work, Mm. where we unplug? Mm. Um, Are we able to go on vacations? I'm actually pretty good at unplugging one day a week. The one, the, the vacations I don't do as well. But what I would say is when we're willing to rest, our brain recharges, our body recharges, and our perspective shifts. So we zoom out and those 20 things that we think that we needed to get done, we actually may not need to do all 20 of them. It might only be 15. And so those, um, so again, the ability to say no, the ability to focus, the ability to rest, um, those are all things that are going to contribute to our being able to be more productive and get done what actually needs to get done, knowing that you're going to miss some stuff, but you're still going to move forward. Right. And that's great advice. You know, we worry too much about, you know, making the absolute best decisions and the right decisions on, on things that aren't really going to trip us up, but we're losing that valuable time worrying about the everyday and non-essential items. So mm-hmm. I love that. And, and my listeners know we talk a lot about GPS plans. We talk about mm-hmm. being in the weeds of your business versus the clouds of your business, right? Three to five yeah. feet versus 20,000 feet and, and taking breaks. Everything you say, I agree with 100%. It's hard sometimes. Oh, it's so hard. To, Actually, to do that. Then I, then I always say at the end of it, by the way, do as I say, not as I do. Exactly. <laughs> I actually have one more one more thought for you on that is, is if you right now take a look at the five things that you got done this morning or you know you have planned to do and take a look at that list of things. And if there's something on that list that someone else could do, yes, that you did, mm-hmm. ask yourself why you did it. Right. Because that will tell you where you've got some anxiety and you need to start to solve for that. And then ask yourself, how can I delegate it? So again, this goes back to your question of how do I, I, I'm holding on to things that I shouldn't hold on to and I'm not delegating or, and I'm delegating things that I shouldn't. But if you'll start to have those shift, it, it will change. And then 
what's happening is in that process of doing all that inner work, you're growing yourself, mm-hmm. but then you're creating opportunities for other people to grow. Yeah. It, and that's seeing, that's seeing the big picture of it all, mm-hmm. not the weeds so that you can mm-hmm. actually see the ripple effects right. of, of these. You're going into the clouds, like you just said. Yeah. The, the, yeah. These newfound practices are creating ripple effects, uh, positive effects on other people and the way mm-hmm. they perform their business, the way they mm-hmm. can feel like they're part of it. This is fantastic. All right. Let me ask you a quick question. So smart growth, it's been out about a month, right? Yeah. Any surprise feedback, like things, surprise benefits, people have said that, uh, wow, it really helped me in this way hmm. that you didn't expect. Um, nothing comes to mind off the top of my head. What I will say, and I, I, I don't want to say that I'm surprised, but I'm, I'm delighted is that um, when people have read it, they say to me, oh, I did just think of something. They say, this is a really good book. Like this is your best book so far, which makes me really happy. Um, But yesterday I was on a podcast. Okay. I just thought of something. And someone said to me, Whitney, I know that you said that this is a management book and this is a leadership book. He's like, but this is really just a personal growth book. And I was like, yeah, you got it. But I was publishing it with Harvard Business Review, so it had to be a management book. <laughs> right. And so if you read it, yes, there are these interludes of what you can do as a manager. Absolutely, a hundred percent, it is all there. But at its essence, this is a book about personal growth. And um, what about for families? Right. Yeah. Grow your kids to grow your family. Yeah. Well. Yeah. In fact, it's funny that you say that. Okay. So you're. you're jogging my memory. I had someone say to me the other day, she said, oh yeah, yeah, I know we use this at work, but I have your S curve on my refrigerator because with my children, every time they start something new, I use the S curve to talk them through it. Wow. You know what? Actually, I do that too. My son, <laughs> my son ran a marathon this past weekend in Austin, Texas. And uh-huh. when he first decided he was going to do it, I shared with him the whole idea of the S curve. It's going to get easy. I mean, it's going to be very hard at the beginning. And then you're yep. going to have this hyper growth where you get into this groove. And then you're going to get to the point where you're like, okay, you know, I need something new. I need a new challenge. I got it. Yeah. And so the, it's very, that's very true. I mean, that just kind of goes back to what we talk about, that, that kind of this morphing of personal and business, mm-hmm. what you talk about all the time and almost everything you do, you make it seamless where you can talk about making jam with your family and hiding <laughs> your identity, right? And bringing that back into business and how to use that as in business, right? So the people who do that, well, so here's a question for you. The people yeah. who do that really well, is that something they're born with or is it something they can develop? Oh, I think you can develop it. I mean, one of the things, my opening statement in the book is growth is our default setting and that human growth is unbounded. So you can, growth mindset, you can develop it. And part of what the S curve does is it gives you a map to develop it. That being said, I think we do have our native abilities and and um, and then we have opportunities to develop that um, over time. But this this going back and forth and toggling between the personal and the professional, we can all do that. Mm-hmm. Of course we can. But I think yeah. for me, um, I don't know. It's just something that I, I think probably came a bit naturally to me. And then I think about, you know, I have a really strong faith tradition and, and every Sunday 
every Sunday I go to church and every Sunday we talk in metaphors. I mean, anybody who studies the Bible, it's mm-hmm. all metaphors. Yeah. And so for me, I'm, and you're constantly being taught, how does the story apply to you? And right. so you, if you look at your background, you can say, oh, there's some things that I've done or had exposure to that have helped me sharpen that saw, sharpen that skill. So again, native to talent, but yeah, it's learned like pretty much everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, that's good news for people like me. <laughs> there you go. Um, is Smart Growth or any of your other books available in audiobook format? Yes. Um, Smart Growth is absolutely available in audio format. And I read it myself. So awesome. If you like this voice, <laughs> yes. or don't like this voice, that's a problem. Um, but yeah, I read it myself because it, it's just when you have a podcast, if people don't hear your voice, it throws them off. Right. Right. I totally agree. Excellent. This was great. You know what? I appreciate you taking the time to be on the Small Business Edge podcast today. I think you are a tremendous resource for my listeners, my viewers, my readers. Um, You make me look good, you know, because I'm (laughs) able to bring them, uh, you know, insights from from people like you. And uh, this was a real treat. And Mm -hmm. I, I suggest everybody who's trying to figure out what the rest of your 2022 looks like and beyond and how you can really get your team into, uh, you know, fighting form and build your company culture. Read, read smart growth, Whitney Johnson's new book. Uh, Highly recommended. Okay. I have something I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to disrupt the flow. Um, I will make three books available to your listeners. You can decide what they have to do to get those books, but I will send them to you signed to give away. Oh, excellent. Wow. Thank you very much. Okay. We will post something on social media, get a signed copy of your your book and we'll figure out what they need to do. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. You know what? I'll ask them. Oh, I'll think about it. I don't want to put it right now. Great. Well, we will do that. And again, thank you, Whitney, for your time today. Thank you for your insights, for your newsletters, which I highly recommend everybody sign up for. Sign up for her weekly newsletter. You'll love it. I I find myself, you might be the only newsletter that I actually reply to. And I know you get it because you reply to me, but I I love it because you really tap into areas that I am very focused on. Mm-hmm. And it resonates with me. So your mm-hmm. newsletter, follow you on LinkedIn and read your books and listen to your podcasts. Mm. Oh, thank you. And everybody who's listening, if you want to hear Brian get interviewed, you can listen to my interview. With him. <laughs> there you go. I still get people. I was number three podcast. I still get people who email me and say, I heard you on Whitney Johnson's podcast. Still, And this is I like four years do. ago. Yeah. Probably a month ago, I had somebody from Israel reach out to me and say, I heard you on Whitney Johnson's podcast. In fact, there was another guy and I I won't divulge it, but he was going through kind of a a crisis situation. He reached out to me and uh, we talked for probably on and off for a month. But he said, I heard you on Whitney's podcast, and I really want to talk to you about what you discussed with her. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, see? Yeah, and that was four uh, years ago. Okay. And everybody, just so you know, just for the record, after we did that podcast interview, Brian did not want me to publish it. I, I did Because didn't. he told these really <laughs> genuine 
stories and opened up in a way that I think you hadn't quite. And yet this is just a reminder. I think, I think let's, I know we've said goodbye, but let's not say goodbye yet because I think this is really important is that people are asking right now, how do I lead right now? And you lead by telling your own stories. You lead by saying, here's the experience that I have. And the fact that you now four years later have people still reaching out to you is a testament to the power of a willingness to say, here's what I am dealing with. Here's how I'm trying to figure it out. So good. We're not alone. Vulnerability is the new invincibility. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. I don't know who came up with it. I stole it from somebody, uh, but I love that. I think it's good. I think it's it's good. Very true. And it's hard. That's hard to, that's a whole separate podcast that we can talk about, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. talk about vulnerability and ego getting in the way, the the people that we feel like we need to be, but we don't, our own ego can, it can oftentimes be the biggest obstacle in our way to success. Absolutely. That's for another podcast. I agree. (laughs) All right. That was our little coda, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. Yes. Oh, (laughs) great movie, by the way. Yeah. Coda. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know it. Oh, watch Coda. Okay. Wait, now we're now we're going into like Twitter hour with little excerpts. Coda is a coda, right? That's a musical, uh-huh. term. and you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm a musician. Train. I'm a musician, right. not Juilliard, but I'm a musician. Yes. Well, you are. I know I know a lot more about it than I do, but watch the movie Coda. It, uh-huh. it is a, a beautiful story hmm. of um, overcoming adversity and obstacles and getting the whole team to buy into a dream. Wow. Okay. I will. Okay. There we go. I'm going to put that. Yeah. I'm going to put that in our resource page too. Yeah. I love it. Brian, thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Honestly, my pleasure. I always love having you on. I think this might, you might be my the third time on my podcast. You're, I think you're tied for first. A gift to me. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And uh, I appreciate your books. We're going to have you on again soon. Either you write your next book or you do your next book. <laughs> All right, everybody, you've been listening to Whitney Johnson and Brian Moran on the Small Business Edge podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, we appreciate your feedback, your comments, suggestions, and ideas for future podcasts. So keep them coming. And uh, I hope you have a great day and uh, look forward to talking with you soon on the next episode of the Small Business Edge podcast. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.